0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: So it was very big news yesterday when I opened up the program with a take about the New York Mets. Really unusual. Well, not so unusual in the sense that I've done it before, but generally when I do it, when I open up this show talking about the New York Mets, it's to talk about how crappy they are and how embarrassing they are and how they're just not good for baseball, how they're just not good for life. Except that's not what I did yesterday. I did not do any of that, in fact. I started off with a take on the New York Mets and a take about how awesome they are. And you know what? I'm going to run that the hell back. I'm going to make the statement right here and right now. Go ahead and break up the freaking Mets. Break up the freaking New York Mets. Break them up. Because they just went upside Big Bro's head with a broomstick. They weaponized that broomstick. Swept their ass in a critical subway series. Man, Rit your head's going to explode. That bald head's going to explode. Rit, you love that song. Shut up, Rit. Just take the compliment. <laughs> Rit hit me with, "Hate the Mets, love the song." You know what you hate, Rit? You hate vegetables. You hate nutrients. You hate water. Freaking ridiculous, right? It's like the only 85-year-old I know who still drinks Kool-Aid. Like, literally Kool-Aid. Not the Kool-Aid. Not the metaphorical Kool-Aid, but actual Kool-Aid. Yeah! Anyway, back to the Mets. Stop knocking me off my rhythm, old man. The Mets snatched their bleeping souls. And Yankee fan... Do not waste your time nor my time by pointing out that it happened midweek at the end of July. I know this already. I know how to read a calendar. I acknowledge that. I understand when they did what they did. Just don't tell me that it was meaningless because it wasn't. That sweep matters. The way the Mets showed up and the message they sent matters. By the way, everything matters. Everything matters. You should know that. I'll say the one guy who already does know that. The last guy you need to tell that to is one Maxwell Martin Scherzer. If you are wondering why the Mets went out and dropped 130 mil on a soon-to-be 38-year-old pitcher, it's because that dude who turned 38, actually, lives for moments like that. Yesterday was exactly the kind of game you bring this guy in for. A big-time game against a big-time opponent coming off a game where the back end of the bullpen worked really pretty hard. In other words, you needed your horse to be a freaking horse last night. And that's exactly what Max Scherzer was. But as always, don't take my word for it. What the hell do I, the hell do I know? The hell do I know? Don't take my word for it. Take the word of Aaron Judge, because he would know.
2: The count, two and two. Two on, two out. Mitch, lead by a run. The pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Max Scherzer embraces the moment and he strikes out Aaron Judge. The Yankees strand two in the top of the
1: third. Grab some wood. Meat. Then in the sixth. Wants to make sure he does not barrel anything. Felt like a slider set up and it was a slider set up. He punches out Judge for the second time tonight. Didn't barrel Jack. Got him twice. Can we make it three? Go to the seventh. Looks like it's an empty-the-tank inning for Scherzer right here, throwing 97. Now, here's the 1-2. Struck him out, swinging
3: on a breaking ball away.
1: The Hall of Famer's right. She called it. 0-4 for against Mad Max. Three punch-outs. Complete and total domination. And he did it on a night when he had to have it, where he knew that bullpen was gassed. And he knew he had to be the red-assed, legend, alpha that we all know him to be. And that's what he did because he's a dude. Scherzer's the ultimate dude. 38, 58, it doesn't matter. This maniac is coming for you every single time. You find me a dude anywhere in that sport that's more competitive than Scherzer, even at that age, even though he's already punched his ticket for Cooperstown. And again, telling me that nothing that happens in baseball in July matters is a bad take. Last night did matter. In fact, it mattered a hell of a lot to the Mets. If Tuesday night was game one of the July World Series, last night was game four. A chance to get the sweep. A chance for Scherzer and the Mets to tell the Yankees and the rest of the baseball world to tell them how their ass tastes. Tell me how my ass tastes. Tuesday was a chance to make a statement, and then last night was a chance to underline it. And they did. However, not without a moment or two, right? Right. As an example, Timmy Trumpet was not in the building last night. Edwin Diaz worked his ass off the night before, so he was not coming out last night. So, they had to go to David Peterson in the 8th. And it's always in the back of your mind, right? Mets gonna met, especially with that bully. Especially with their hammer not able to come out. So, of course, you take the ball from a future Hall of Famer and an absolute bulldog in Max Scherzer, and then you give it to Peterson, a guy who broke his foot walking to the dugout last year. How do you think that's going to go? It went exactly the way you would expect. Peterson walks the first guy he faces on four pitches, and then on his fifth pitch, this happened. Well, here is Glaber Torres, and the pitch swung on,
0: hit in the air to right. Back goes Marte on the track, at the wall. She's gone. It's Glaber Day. Glaber goes the opposite way and hits it over the fence in deep right field. Boy, what a big two-run home run to tie the game.
1: It's funny he said that. Dodger Jano hit hit me up last night with, should we have another Glaber Day barbecue? It's
3: Glaber Day.
1: I'm like, yeah, maybe. Who did we have last year at our Glaber Day barbecue? Glaber Day! Anyway, never mind that the Mets are thin on the back end. Never mind that they really didn't have a lot of other good options. I mean, they had to do that, right? But let's not let the facts get in the way that the Mets were going to Met, despite all the good things that we've been saying about them now for the last several weeks. They're going to Met, and a perfect week was about to get ruined. Mets fan, I know you were gripping, and understandably so. And you probably were already spinning it that, you know what, it's still all right. We got to split. Big bro still tasted his own blood. We're all good. But in doing all that, because you're so used to you're so beaten down. You're so used to it, right? You forgot about one thing. You forgot about Starling Marte. Mr. Walkoff, Mr. Walkoff in July, because there are clutch hitters, and then there is Starling Marte, the clutchest of the clutch, and the Walkoff King came through yet again. For all the deals. Swinging a liner to left. Base
0: hit. Put it in the books. Here comes Escobar. He scores the winning run. Marte slams his helmet down at first. The Mets have swept the Yankees. They have defeated them 3-2. to two. The Mets pour out of the dugout. They are mobbing Starling Marte to the right of second base. The Mets have gained a game on the Atlanta Braves.
1: They sure as hell have. Again, meet the bleeping Mets because that's two for them. Two for them. A two game sweep. Total domination. Little bro kicking big bro's ass. Hey, look, I'm not going to say that the Yankees are going to panic or that that forced them to panic. But not long thereafter, they went out and they traded for Andrew Benetendi. And as clutch as Marte was, the Yankees were the exact opposite. O oh, for 15 with runners in scoring position in a two-game series? You talk about manning the hell down. O oh, for 15 with runners in scoring position. Aaron Boone's dudes were not exactly bleeping savages in the box, were they? Far from it. Better tighten that bleep up. Better tighten that bleep up. I mean, I would say the Yankees going 0 for 15 with runners in scoring position in a series against the Mets is a matter of the Yankees choking. But not now. Not with these Mets. The Yankees just ran into an orange and blue buzzsaw. They're lucky they made it out there alive. Again, I know it's just July. I know nobody is going ticker tape down the Canyon of Heroes in July. But that city belongs to the Mets right about now. Far be it for me to say from Southern California. But I'm going to say it anyway. Right now, that city belongs to the Mets. You can't deny that. L-G-M-L-F-G-M-E-T-S. Can you do that backwards, Tony LaRussa? L G M L F G. M E T S R S T U V Zebra Tracker. Hashtag. Nothing more S-Y-T-U-B- amazing than me starting the show again with a Mets take. I think I want to start this with a quick question. Do you feel like your anti-perspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well then, Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and it offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Now that right there is a number. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin and it's quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains... Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin, leaving your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. What I'm saying is try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry. Clean feel all day. Blake Wesley. Blake, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm
4: good. How you doing? Thanks for having me on here. I uh, appreciate that.
1: It's good to have you on here. I appreciate you doing it. So, let me ask you in the last month alone, you've been drafted by the Spurs. You had a really strong Summer League performance. Now you're getting ready for your first NBA season. What has the last month been like for you? Uh,
4: It's been a blessing. That's all I can say. Uh, uh, My parents have been here for me. God has been here for me. Uh, Family, friends, uh, Joe, my trainer said, uh, people at Impact. Uh, It's been a journey. Uh, Nobody thinks I can do this, being in this position. So to be in this position is uh good for me and my family. Uh we're enjoying the process right now. Uh getting back to work. Uh got a little training camp session uh August eighth through the eighteenth over in San Antonio. So I'm just getting ready for that and just getting ready for the season. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good season.
1: Blake Wesley joining us. I like that. So if we talk about the journey, if you and I were to go back just over a year, you were getting ready for your freshman season at Notre Dame. You were coming into a program where you were mostly going to play with seniors, and you said that initially it was actually challenging because they were bigger, they were stronger, they were older. What was that time like for you, and then how did that make you better? Uh,
4: That time like me, uh, so when I first got there in the summer, uh, my freshman year a little a little nervous, as uh, I mean, every freshman was a little nervous. Are you going to play or are you not going to play? Uh, it's a different kind of play uh, from high school. So I was the man over uh, at Riley, but then I had to earn my spot over at Notre Dame. So uh, it, it helped me a lot. During the summer, I enjoyed playing with seven seniors. Uh, the, the most guy I enjoyed was playing with was Prentice Hub. So he was the one that took me under his belt and uh, made me better. Uh, obviously, everybody... Made me better on the team. But the seven seniors, playing with them was good. Uh, they taught me a lot uh, on and
0: off the court. Blake made Wesley, me
1: right, is joining us. Excuse me, I was going to jump in and ask you about your coach because Mike Bray is one of my favorite guys in college basketball to talk to. Everybody loves Mike Bray. He's loose, he's comfortable. What was he like to play for?
4: Uh, it was good. Uh, I feel like a lot of freedom.
1: I mean, shoot a couple, if you shoot
4: a couple bad shots, you'd be like, okay, pass it up. But I mean, he, he let you just play, uh, let you play your game. As you see at Norden, we just played a uh, good coach, coachable. Uh, he taught me a lot, uh, was on me a lot, which I liked. Uh, just good coach overall.
1: You know, Good I'm looking person. at your situation. I was going to say, Blake, you had a really strong performance at Illinois in November. Then you hit that pull-up jumper with less than 12 seconds left to take the lead in the win over number 10, Kentucky. You're from South Bend. You started that game, and then you hit the biggest shot of the season in a win over Kentucky. What do you remember about the feeling of that shot, that win, and doing it in your hometown? What was all that like?
4: Uh, So the funny thing is, uh, when I was talking to my manager, our manager before uh before the game, I was like, Bro, I'm, i think I'm to hit a game winner the next day, tomorrow, like before, I, during the game. He was like he was just laughing. I'm like, I'm I'm being for real, I'm gonna hit a game winner. So next day, hit a game winner and to do that in my hometown was good. I always dreamed about hitting a game winner, especially against the top ten team. So versus Kentucky. So it was good. Uh City City loved it, family loved it, friends loved it, so it was an unbelievable moment.
1: I love hearing the story also. Blake Wesley joining us. So the story also goes that when you first got to Notre Dame, you weren't thinking about being one and done. You were thinking maybe you'd be there a couple of years. When did you first start to think that maybe you could make that jump to the NBA after one season? And then what were the signs that let you know that you were ready and your game was ready?
4: Right. So, um, yeah, I was not thinking about uh, one and done. Uh, Me and my dad talked about uh, two years and then you're out of there, but I feel like when I first thought I was uh, being one and done was after the Kentucky game. And when I started rising up, um, we played Illinois, stuff like that, all the top, all the top teams started just start getting rows up from there. So my confidence got better. Uh, I feel like I was a pro after, after those couple of games. So to come out, uh, one and done is, uh, good for Notre Dame. So the first one and done. So
1: sure. I got you. Blake Wesley joining us, so you remember the Spurs. The thing about the pre draft workouts, they can be funny, right? Like during those workouts, it's grueling in the sense that you're all over the country, you're living out of a suitcase, you gotta do these workouts, and you move on to the next city. You said before the draft that you felt like you had a really good workout with San Antonio. What do you remember about that particular workout and did you feel like the team was going to draft you after you worked for them?
4: For sure, yeah. I mean, I was living out of my suitcase for almost a month uh cleaning clothes at hotels, traveling from uh airport to airport, uh was tough. I mean I think I feel like that's a tough that's a tough uh situation to be in. But um overall yeah. When I went to San Antonio, uh I went there with a mindset to chip on my shoulder, uh just go out there and kill. Uh go out there and attack everybody that is either uh had a is either above me or below me. Just go out there and play a chip on your shoulder. And I showed, showed, um, showed the Spurs that I got to play, and uh, I fit their team. Uh, it was good. Um, played defense, uh, attacked the basket, pushed the ball out, uh, played good in the three-on-three, one-on-one. So I was active and just aggressive. So it's certain.
1: Hey Blake, where does the chip come from? Like you said, I mean, you're used to being the man, right? So you had a really good year at Notre Dame. You're used to being the guy. I'm really curious about the chip. What is the chip exactly? What kind of fuel are you running on right now?
4: I'm running a lot of field. I mean, I was 25th overall pick. uh, I'm blessed to be 25th overall pick, but I feel I should have went higher. But that's okay. So all the people that uh, went before me, I just try to attack them and go at them to show that I could have been higher than them. But that doesn't matter overall. Uh, I was 25th pick. uh, My family, proud of me. I'm proud of myself. So then uh, I got really slept on in high school. Uh, Wasn't Indiana all-star. I mean, wasn't Indiana – Mr. Basketball wasn't in the top six, so i going into college to play chip on my shoulder. Okay, like I gotta show him that I should have been Mr. Basketball. So just play with a lot of feel. That's all I need to
1: do. I like it. Blake Westway is joining us. So part of that is you got to be all in, right? It's like a holistic thing. I would imagine as you start sure. your professional career, it's got to be about rest, nutrition, working out, basketball, non-basketball. I would imagine Herbalife plays into all of this. You've got a relationship with them. You're working with them. How would you describe that experience and what's that been like for you so far working with Herbalife?
4: Oh, uh, it's been good. So, uh, I've been working with uh, Joe and Isaac over at uh, Impact, and uh, they introduced me to Herbalife. Um, it's big key to being a athlete. I mean, they got the nutrition stuff, they got the social media stuff, and I feel like it helped me during the process. Um, I usually took a CR7 Drive. Uh, it's like a uh, before, pre, I mean before, after, or during the workout. It's like kind of like Gatorade, but like a little healthier. It's nice and then uh, little protein shakes here and then here and now. And then they got these little um, chocolate bars that are have protein in it. So I took those on almost every day, and uh, those really helped me uh, to get my fuel to get my recovery. So yeah, Herb Life played a uh, good role in my uh, situation.
1: Right. That's the Herbalife Nutrition Impact Basketball Center in Las Vegas. And that sounds like a completely holistic approach all in. My man, I like the energy. I like the chip. I like the fuel. I like the energy, but I'm not surprised. I always say this. Anytime I talk to anybody who went to Notre Dame, be it basketball or football, they all show up like that. Not exactly like this. I think you went next level with it, but I'm not surprised. Notre Dame always seems to have that kind of quality. Blake, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Let's do it again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, I absolutely love that sound. Brings a smile to my face every single time because... That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. That's why I love that sound. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere and synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. They can do all of that for you. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I know where we started. I know where we are right now. And I'm still on that journey. And like mine, Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. Go to shopify.com/rome all lowercase and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com/rome right now, all lowercase. That's shopify.com/rome. Quick fact about the show: I'm not sure we've ever had a guest on this show who had a better first answer to a question than Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri head football coach, did yesterday. And a lot of you are still on that. And I'm glad that you are because that absolutely jumps the day. I mean, I could replay the entire interview all over again today. I could. I'm not one of those guys who does that. Other hosts do that. I'm not one of those guys who replays the first hour in the third hour. In fact, a consultant would probably tell you, Rome, you need to do a better job of recycling and resetting. I don't do that. I could justify playing the entire interview again today because it was that good. I could justify playing that interview every single day for the next six months, and it would be justifiable because it was that good. It was just that good. Funny as hell. He was insightful as hell about building a program and connecting with young people and more. But how about the way he started the interview? How about the way he came onto the program called me out, and then threw down the challenge for me to show some toughness. Eli Drinkwitz is my guest. Eli, it's always good to have you on, and good to have you back. How are you?
0: Man, I'm doing better than you are. You sound like crap, but you got an opportunity to display some toughness today, Jim, and that's really what fall camp's all about, isn't it?
1: Oh, hell yes. How you doing, Eli? Better than you, man. You sound like crap. However, it's an opportunity for you to show some toughness, which is what fall camp is all about, isn't it? I don't know that a guest has ever told me that I sounded like crap. Probably thought it. But nobody has come right out on the air, on my show, and said, right in my face, that I sound like crap. And by the way, he was so right. He was so right. And I'll be real. I did sound like crap yesterday, and I was banged up, and I was fighting it pretty hard. However, the coach came in here and lit a fire under my ass. He really did. That was an opportunity to show some toughness. There was no way I could let him down. No way I could afford to lose his respect. We could have walked off on that right then and there. We could have ended the interview with me welcoming him to the program, asking him how he was, and him responding with, better than you, dude, you sound like crap. Sound like crap. And that would have been one of the better interviews we've had in quite some time. In and of itself is one of my favorite jungle moments ever. But if you thought that he had a little something for me, that was nothing compared to what he had for Tennessee, Tennessee, jeremy pruitt and jeremy pruitt's wife with his next two responses
0: i was going to say this too jim i thought you were going to introduce my record but with the latest allegations against tennessee let's hold up on what my record is because i expected to vacate some wins and that's going to help my record a little bit okay well, man, this is, so this
1: is, this is getting be better easy. this is getting so much better since you brought it up can i get your reaction to the latest allegations against tennessee
0: yeah, I mean, I uh, me personally, I got to question my wife's commitment to winning. You know, I mean, I don't know how much she's committed if she's not engaging in some of these things. I didn't know that was fair play. So, uh, you know, we got to, you know, it was a little bit surprising to see the uh, in-depth nature of what was going on there. Uh, but I, I am sure glad that Tennessee was taking some ownership of it. And, and uh, we'll see what the results are, um, you know, but uh, it's pretty interesting for sure.
1: Oh, hell yes. So amazing. I have to question my wife's commitment because she's not taking some of this on herself. Uh, let Let me ask you something. Name one other coach currently coaching that would come on this show and do that. I've been thinking about it since he did it. Name one other coach that would do that. I mean, Lane Kiffin has it in him, but even Lane, I don't think, would come on the show and do what he just did, Eli. Steve Spurrier back in the day, for sure. Mike Leach, maybe, but even he, even Leach, I don't think, could deliver that line or lines the way Eli did. I mean, that was absolutely an incredible moment. So even though I was fighting it hard, fighting it hard in the first hour, I found another gear in the second hour. I dug deep in the third hour. And even in that podcast where I sounded so bad after the program. Because I had, to. I had to. I had to because I couldn't let myself down. But more importantly, I could not let Coach Drinkwitz down. You want to know why that cat is doing the kind of recruiting at Missouri that nobody has ever done before? Pulling five-star types at Missouri. You want to know how that guy's doing that. And nothing against Missouri. There's a lot to like about Missouri. But he is recruiting his ass off. How is he getting guys? The guys that he's getting, it's because of interviews like that. Because that dude is real. That dude competes. That dude battles. That dude is smart. And he lets it rip. And people love him. And they love him for that very reason. He's bringing out the best in everybody around him, including me, a knucklehead behind the mic who sounds like a frog 2,000 miles away. Like I said, I've got no game and no eligibility, and I was ready to commit to the Tigers after that first answer. One of my favorite moments ever. That's it. Do it again, Alvin. You sound like crap, right? Man, I'm
0: doing better than you are. You sound like crap, but you got an opportunity to display some toughness today, Jim, and that's really what fall camp's all about, isn't it?
1: It is, Coach. It is, man. So smooth, so natural, so funny. Legend. Legend. And what precipitated that was, I came out and I said, man, I sound like crap. I admit it. I'll own it. I sound like crap. I'm banged up. It's not the vid. It's not the vid, but whatever it is, it's winning. I sound like crap. And we go to our next guest, and he fired right out with, Dude, you do sound like crap. However, it's an opportunity for you to show some toughness. Man up. One of my favorite moments ever from a guest. Could not love the guy more. At Mason Knorr tweets, Golden ticket worthy interview there from coach. Tell him to put the date of next year's smack off on his schedule. My schedule. Here's the thing. I don't know that it's a big enough platform for him. And it's the biggest platform there is in the game. The sports radio game. I mean, giving this guy a golden ticket and an invite probably is not enough. What I should be offering him is a guest hosting spot for the entire program when I'm on vacation. And by the way, shut up, Britt. By the way, not for a day or two, but I'm talking about for an entire week. I'm talking about, hey, coach, if you want, you can have all two weeks. Golden ticket. That That's beneath him. That's almost an insult. A golden ticket would be like me saying, you know, I got to vet this guy. I don't know if he can hang. I just said it was the greatest first response to a welcome that I've ever had on the show. He can go ahead and skip the golden ticket process. Hey, Brian Weber, sorry, my guy. Good news, bad news. Bad news is I just ripped your slot to give it to Eli. Good news is more time for you to get to the drive through and do what you do. Smash copious amounts of nuggets. And ask for extra sauce. Just kidding, Webb. I love you too, man. You know, I I don't want to insult the coach by saying, hey, would you like a golden ticket to get in line with everybody else to compete with the best of the best? No, man. He's already jumped that line. What I'm saying to you is he's that kind of player, the rare player where not only do you waive the five-year eligibility waiting period, he doesn't even need to wait until he's done playing. Put him in the Hall of Fame right now. I hate Mount Rushmore stuff. I may actually get a mountain and start carving his head into it as the one head on Mount Rushmore. I am still so pumped over that exchange. And then his him going into Tennessee. I wasn't gonna bring that up with him. That's how you know the guy's a legend.
0: Personally, I gotta question my wife's commitment to winning, you know. I mean, I don't know how much she's committed if she's not engaging in some
1: of these things. I didn't know that was fair play. Incredible. It's not. It's not fair play. This dude is so great. No Cal Vic. My man's back. Again, Nick. Or Vic. Sorry about that, Nick. Hey, Vic. Thank you very much for continuing to play the game outside the smackoff season. He's running circles around you other legends. Vic is coming in early and often and making it better. He writes, that's funny. Eli Drinkwitz was my alias back when I was coaching at Mizzou. Larry Eustachy. Man, that's a throwback right there. So, I have a brand new product that I can't wait to tell you about the Turbo Extreme Steam Steam and Iron 2 in 1. I love this bad boy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if you know anything about me, even before my radio program became a TV simulcast, I always want to look buttoned up, always want to look professional. And part of that is making sure that I am wrinkle free. I found myself the most powerful handheld steamer. I love it. It's fast and there is easy wrinkle removal. An extra large sole plate that can be used vertically or horizontally. And it works without steam as a dry iron. I'm talking about the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. Advanced heat technology is ready almost instantly and it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam. Four settings for delicate to turbo is perfect for all fabrics. Plus, it is easy to use, and it's great both for at home or on the go. Again, I love this product. To get yours today, go to Amazon and search for Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. That's Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. So I'm looking at Twitter right now, and I'm looking at what's trending on Twitter right now. And there's my guy, Delonte West. And I'm not even sure whether or not I want to get into this. Because I don't want to feed or fuel those absolute a-holes that are doing what they're doing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my phone. So I'm not going to tell you what to do with your phone. But I will tell you this. If you're using your phone to roll video on Lante, so you can mock him and rush it to social media so you can put it up, you're a piece of crap. And for that, there are certain things about this show that I cannot bring back. Any of the families, specifically the rat family, and there was once back in the day a piece of crap club on this show, and I had to retire that for obvious reasons. I may make an exception and bring that back for any of you aholes that have nothing better to do in your life than to go looking for Delonte, who obviously is struggling and having a tough time. So you can find him and do a Q&A with him, like your 60 minutes or something, and then post it to mock him. Look in the mirror. Instead of asking what happened to him, look in the mirror and ask yourself where the hell did my life go so wrong. Stop doing that. The problem with that is, like, now I just gave them what they wanted. A-holes like that are getting what they want. Because it's almost universal on Twitter. When nobody can agree on one thing, or not all of us can agree on one thing, other than the a-holes doing it, it's almost 99.9999% unanimous that you're an a-hole if you do that. But the problem is, the people who are saying it are retweeting the video and saying how revolting it is. And that's not making it better either. And me, am I making it better by talking about it? Probably not, because you're giving those a-holes what they want. I'm just saying, do you not have anything in your life better to do than to mock people who are down and rush to the internet and social media to post it? Look in the mirror. Brutal. Anyway, so whenever I see Delonte trending, I know that that's happening still. Adrian Amos is my guest Adrian good to have you back how are you hey how you doing good having me. good good to have you back all right so you're getting yeah. ready to enter your eighth season which is a pretty big number right not only that but as mm-hmm. I mentioned off the top you're coming off the best season of your career you and I have talked in the past that playing this long is not luck it's work it's skill how much pride is there in getting to this point and still playing and staying at an elite level
3: um, it's, you know, it's the, never be as satisfied. It's a lot of blessings come involved, um, is involved in that as well. Um, but it's just a work, um, year in and year out, staying in shape, um, doing the right things. Um, that, you know, I've come up with a, you know, a, a train, training regimen during the off season with my guy PJ and, um, we just been, been sticking to it and then taking care of my body during the season. So, um, it, it's just a, a level of, you know, trying to be consistent, um, day in and day out.
1: So what's that off-season workout look like? Like, I don't expect you to share every intimate detail of it, but yeah. generally what are the types of things that you're working on in the off-season to make sure you're ready for the season?
3: A lot of things are specific to me, to what I have to do. Um, I know early on, you know, I, you know, just working on running, um, form, technique, a lot of things, um, staying explosive, um, but also staying in shape, getting that cardio. Um, I do different stuff to, you know, continue my cardio as far as um, – you know, I, I'm not a, a big you know run laps guy. So I like I do stuff like boxing and things like that um, on cardio days to 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 get that wind up. But um, just other stuff, just uh, working on my performance, the things that I need specifically to um, you know to to be ready for for camp and to um, last the season.
1: I get that. One more thought about that: when the season ends, how much time do you give yourself? I mean, will you shut it down and do almost nothing at all for a period of time? And if so, how long?
3: No, I'm a you know. I, you know, I consider myself a fat boy, so like I can't take off too long because I'll, I, I feel like I'll gain too much way too fast, and they will put me at backer or something. So I, um, you know, like after the season, I'll do like. I won't do as much, so I'm not lifting heavy or or nothing like that, but I still stay a little bit of cardio and stuff like that, um, you know, early on. So the only time I'm not doing, you know, you could say nothing, but, like, stretching and stuff is, like, you know, maybe, you know, a week, maybe, or two, a week or two, I give my body a rest as far as, like, anything, but then I got to get back to at least doing something. Um, But, um, yeah, I I, I take at least a month off, a month or two off from actually, like, lifting and and putting – you know, a lot on my joints.
1: Dude, I love what you just said, especially at first part that you consider yourself a fat boy because I consider yeah. myself a fat boy too. Explain <laughs> this to me, man. Why is it so hard to take it off, but it comes back on so fast and so easy? What is that?
3: Um, I don't know. I think I think it's genetics kind of because I, you know, I have a, a sister and brother that can eat everything and and wake up in the morning and gain no weight. Like, you know, my younger sister like must can be eat nice. anything and she she just she got a six pack. So it's like man I think that's just this is how how you made me. If I if I eat I'm going to gain weight fast. You might not be able to see it as much but that scale going definitely tell you.
1: Hey, and the scale does not lie either. Adrian yeah. Amos is joining us now. I feel yeah. All right so so earlier this off season you invited your DB teammates to work out with you in Baltimore. You know we see quarterbacks do that all the time. What was your thinking behind that and then how did that go?
3: Um so you know when when covid happened it it made me you know start thinking about having training stuff at my house. So I started building. I built a little field. And then um, later on, I got um, like a weight room built in in my backyard. So like um, I have that stuff. And then um, I wanted guys to just come out during the summer, um, get some training sessions in. And then they came to my camp. I thought, you know, the camp I throw throw in every year. Um, So at the end of the week, you know, they helped me um, with the kids. We got about 150 kids signed up and, and did the, you know, annual smash camp.
1: I like that too. Adrian Amos yeah. is joining us. Always good to get back. So ESPN does a poll earlier this summer. They rank the top 10 safeties. You don't make the list. I know you saw that. What was your reaction to the list? Did that sort of aggravate you that you don't get that level of respect at least there? Or do you ignore something like that?
3: Um, you know, you, you obviously see it and you, and you want to be respected, but um, I don't take it as, you know, that it's not fair or anything like that. I take it as in um, I just have to do more. Um, you know, I, I have to um, get my name. Out. I have to have that. You know, um, you know, multiple pick season. That you know, that breakout year still. And I'm just still working. But um, I feel I feel respected um, in my locker room by my peers, by my coaches, and and things like that. So I'm, and by my family. So I'm not. You know, I'm not too worried about it. it doesn't make me down or anything. It's just you know, I, I got to work and um, to to get noticed even more.
1: Hey, listen, it's a really classy response because I'm going to pick you up and then flip it on its head. I think the people (laughs) who know know. The people who know know because the folks at PFF hold you in very high regard. They refer to you as, quote, one of the most underrated players in the game and has a real argument to be seen as the league's best safety, end of quote. So what's it mean to hear that? And do you feel like you've got a game that can only truly be appreciated by people who actually study the game?
3: Um, well, I mean, I, I, guess you could say, cause if you just look at, you know, just raw stats, um, I haven't had the, that six interception year or something like that. So, um, it, it's hard to, you know, compute it by that, but, you know, play by play, I feel like I'm pretty consistent and, um, but yeah, it's good to hear, you know, when, when, when people do appreciate what you do and by any metric, whether you, you like it or not by any metric, if you have me up there and, and um good company with, you know, other good players, um, that's always an honor, but, um, but yeah, like I said, when when you don't make as many, um you know, have as as much flashy stats, um and things like that, um, and you have to actually watch the film to to see what I can do, um, you know what I'm saying? It's always gonna be that, you know, that polarizing. You'll have people say what he's t- top ten and then you'll have people say, No question he's top ten. So, um, you know, I I have to just go by what I believe in myself and um, you know, prove it prove it. Every year.
1: Well, the guys around, you know, Adrian Amos is joining us. The guys around, you know, think about that. You've got, you have at safety, a guy that you've played with for quite some time in Darnell Savage. You've only missed three games since 2019. You haven't missed a game since joining the Packers. He's only missed three games since 2019. So you guys know each other real well. And then you combine that with Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, at corner. Could you make an argument that this is in fact, then the best secondary in the NFL?
3: um for sure you can you can always make you know you can make the argument, but we have to do it each and every game you know i'm a I'm a big like all right, we got it on paper now let's go prove it um you know, because um like I said, what can you prove that you you can do you know what I'm saying by stats by what we're actually doing the teams um if we if we we have the ability to be consistent enough to um you know do that throughout the entire season, i feel like we can be
1: Adrian, you've spent some time in punt coverage this off season. I'm curious, what's that been like for you? Is that something you're into, or are you just doing whatever the team needs you to do to make the team better?
3: For sure, I want you know we got to do whatever you know the team needs. We know how important special teams is, and um, you know how it comes up in, in crucial situations. Um, and you know we got to do it. I'm, I mean, in... Chicago my first four years I had to play a lot of special teams as well too you know what I'm saying along with my my role on defense um and, and I'm used to you know I'm u- I'm used to special teams so um I think it's great that the 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 entire um you know the entire team you know is is invested in and in what we're doing on special teams now and um you know we, that can make us that much better um come season time
1: you know, it's been 19 months since David Bakhtiari tore his ACL, and he's had at least three knee procedures. He said yesterday, quote, it's a nightmare. My nightmare that I have to live, and I don't know how many days it's been, but I'm just excited to wake up one day. End of quote. Like, you understand this is part of the business. You know injuries are a part of the game, but how tough is it to see a teammate go through something like this and hear him talk about it like that?
3: Yeah, man, it's tough. Um, it, you know, we it comes to football, you know, it's a tough game. Um you know, and, and things happen sometimes but um you know, we're excited to have him back. He's a um whenever he, he gets back, um and and um you know, we got a couple guys like that, that are you know, that that've been out that, that we're excited to get back and, and, and make our team, you know, complete. You always wanna have, you know, all your top players out there, but um you know, you know, hopefully, you know, everything comes around and he's in better spirits and um and and, and we can get going.
1: Listen, I know you're a huge basketball fan as one pro athlete, one competitor watching another. What did you think and see as you were watching Steph Curry rip another chip this year?
3: Man, that, that, you know, in my opinion, for I've been saying for the past couple of years he's the best point guard ever. I know, you know, that people are gonna say magic different places but uh, players like that, but um Curry is something that we have never seen before. He's the you know, he's he's the best shooter ever um and he can do the other things that might be you know that might overshadow his shooting i mean it might be overshadowed by his shooting but he does all the things he can dribble getting pass um he can do all those things so um in my opinion you know he he didn't change the whole game and uh, i think he's the, the best point guard ever
1: So on top of that, like as somebody who's not resting on his laurels, like you're never satisfied. How impressed are you with the work that he's done this late in his career, the way he went into the weight room, the way he got so much stronger, the way he's kind of reinvented himself? Like We know he can shoot it. We know what he can do. But clearly, despite all the success and everything he's already achieved, this guy's still not done. He's still hungry.
3: For sure. You can just tell he won it. Um, You can tell he won it. He works on it. Um and, and it's guys like that. Like it's just, just guys that just have it in them to to keep working and keep grinding and not be satisfied and want to be great, want to be, you know, considered a legend and um that that that's people that you can learn from. You can learn from in, in, in different sports, um, your own sport that the, the guys that, that, that play a long time and are great and on top of the long time, they they take care of take care of their bodies, they they, they continue to improve. Um you see LeBron playing almost twenty years and still being great. So, um that That's just, you know, that that's a testament to them and their work ethic.
1: Seems, I was going to say, it seems to me they take care of their body, but they honor their craft, right? They honor right. their craft. They never stop working on their craft. I mentioned off the very top that you're the co-owner of Branded Bespoke. Yesterday, Penn State players at Big Ten Media Days were in Branded Bespoke suits. How much pride was there for you to see that?
3: Man, that's great. You know, that's great. Um, you know, that, that that's something that, um, you know, uh, that I'm proud of off the field as far as, you know, we, we're getting going, um, getting more people in our suits, more people are seeing, um, you know, what we offer as far as we, you know, we can make anything custom to towards a player athletes, you know, anybody, you know what I'm saying? And, um, high quality, you know, um, high service. So, um, yeah, that, that's, it's just great, um, that, you know, things that I'm being interested in off the field are doing well, you know, as well. So, um, That was great to see.
1: That is great to see. He's coming off one of his best seasons ever, 93 tackles last year, one of three safeties, and I do love the stat, one of three safeties in the NFL with multiple INTs and 70-plus tackles in each of the last four years. Packer is opening up at Minnesota September 11th. Adrian Amos, my guest. Adrian, appreciate you. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Hey, man.
2: Thank you for having me on.
1: Sonny Dykes joins me once again. Sonny, it's so good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well, Jim. How about you? How are things going? Things are great things are great on this end. I've got to ask you, you are always really busy in the off season, but this one obviously is so different because you take over a new program in November, you immediately get after it. Now that we're getting close to the start of the season, how is that work in process gone? How are you feeling about your team this season?
2: Yeah, as you said, I mean, when you take a new job, there's just so much going on. Um, you know, you're trying to you know, number one, acquire talent, whether that's coaches, um, you know, players in today's transfer portal world, world, keep your players, find new guys, recruit high school players, get to know coaches, you know, find a place to live, get settled, learn the administration, learn the way they do things, you know, get your strength and conditioning program kicked off, you know, just all those things. Try to get spring football rolling and have uh, 15 good workouts. And so it's been a, it's been a really hectic, uh, six, seven months, but it's been, in a lot of ways, remarkably smooth. You know, i got to give our players a lot of credit. Uh, Anytime there's a coaching change, I think it's hard on young people. Um, You know, they came to TCU uh, to play for Coach Patterson and and his program, and and all of a sudden, you know, it's different. And those guys have done an unbelievable job of adapting and doing everything we've asked them to do and buying in. And so I really feel like in a lot of ways we're ahead of schedule just because the attitude's been so good, the work ethic's been so good. But, you know, now as we go into fall camp, Things get hard and it becomes difficult, and and now we get to find out really what we're made of.
1: Sonny Dykes joining us. Sonny, what you just said is amazing to me. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but the way you just laid that out—that when you take a new opportunity and you go to a new situation, and that you're all about acquiring talent, be it coaches or players—and that we have to set the entire system up and strength and conditioning—I mean, that to me sounds overwhelming can you kind of share your process? I mean, it's got to be one day at a time, and every cliche that could possibly come up with about you being where your feet are and staying true to the process, but how did you accomplish all of that? In fact, how did you even go about attacking all of that?
2: You know, fortunately for me, it was my fourth time to do it. You know, I had done it at Louisiana Tech and had done it at Cal and at SMU and now at TCU, and so, you know, every transition is a little bit smoother. Um, They were all a little better just because you have experience when you've done it, you know, we had a lot of our people and processes in place at SMU, and we were really only 30 miles down the road. So, you know, we were able to move, you know, for all intents and purposes, almost our entire staff from there over here, Uh, you know, made a couple of staff changes and and did some things a little bit different. But, you know, we just had an organization that really, we, we kind of took it, moved it over here, made our adjustments that we need to make for being in the Big 12 and for for, uh, you know, adapting to the university and the strengths and the weaknesses and the challenges and all those things. But it is, I mean, it's an overwhelming process. It's really, and, and during this whole time, the most important part of it all is, is building relationships with people. You know, whether it's your players, whether it's administrators, where it's boosters and people that are incredibly important to your success now in college football, just all the different boxes you have to check. And so, you know, what you do every day is you wake up, you have a list of about 500 things you have to do, You know, you get four or five of them done, and, you know, you add about six or eight more, and then the next day you just try to work your way down the list, and that's just the way it is. And it can be a little overwhelming at times, but you just have to, you know, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and and just, you know – kind of worry about the six inches in front of your face.
1: Sonny Dykes is joining us. You know, you and I talked so much when you were at SMU. It was clear that you loved that job, and you had a really good thing going there. I had Rhett Lashley on the program yesterday. He said that he would not be the head coach at SMU right now if it was not for you hiring him as offensive coordinator when you arrived. So what was it about TCU that made you feel like it was worth leaving a place that you love so much?
2: You know, I really did. I loved my time at SMU. I loved our players, uh, loved our fans, loved our, our support that we had from our administration. felt like it was a really good place, but you know how it is, Jim. I mean, I think we all have a desire to coach at the very highest level that we can coach at and, and you know, a chance to be in the Big 12 and a chance to, to compete year in, year out for the college football playoff and, you know, just those things where you get to, you know, you get to have the very best players and the very best facilities and, you know, play the best people and compete at the highest level, and that's really what drove me here. I mean, I love the Metroplex. I mean, I'm a I'm a, a DFW guy. You know, I love Dallas. Um, I spent some time here in 2017 uh, with Coach Patterson, and and really found out what a special place Fort Worth is. I love the people here. You know, it's it's a big city. The Metroplex is a huge city, and you get all the benefit from living in a big city. But then TCU. Uh, and Fort Worth just has a really small town, college campus, uh, college town feel to it. And so that's what makes Fort Worth really special. You know, the city's really united behind the university. The university does a great job of supporting the city of Fort Worth and it's just that's a really exciting, fun place to be.
1: We're talking to Sonny Dykes. Sonny, you mentioned the Big Twelve is changing. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. New teams like BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston are scheduled to arrive. Do you feel like in that changing landscape, you've got an opportunity to establish TCU as a Big Twelve powerhouse?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you go back and you look at Coach Patterson's tenure uh, here at TCU. I mean, he did a fantastic job building this program and you know you go back and look at his records in different conferences and particularly the Mountain West and you know they were the you know they were the number 1 program in that league you know they they in utah kind of battled year in year out for that crown and um you know and then when they came in the big 12 it was a little bit of an adjustment but then pretty quickly they were back winning at a high a high level again and so you know this is the kind of place uh, that can win that's been proven in the past you know football is very important to the city of fort worth and this, this university we have tremendous resources here. You know, we feel like if we can get somebody on our campus, get them in Fort Worth, let them see what the quality of life is here uh, as a student-athlete and just see the town and, and our facilities, and we feel like we have a chance to recruit anybody. And it all begins there, as I said earlier. I mean, you have to acquire talent, and then your job is to develop that talent, and then you've got to do a great job of building a culture to sustain those two
1: things. Mm. Sonny Dykes joining me for a few more moments. One of the questions coming into fall camp is the starting quarterback position. I know you've got a number of options for that. So what are the types of things that you're looking for to see from your quarterback to let you know that that's the guy or that's the starter?
2: Yeah, you know, great quarterbacks just make people around them better. I think that's the the thing that, you know, the the, the guys that uh, really move the needle and, and make a difference in programs that's the thing that stands out. I mean, they all look different. Some of them are tall and some of them are short. Some of them have strong arms and some of them don't have particularly strong arms. You know, it just has to do with with how can they take care of the football? How can they distribute the football? How can they, they make those people around them better? And then at the end of the day, you want a guy that when he walks into the huddle that everybody in there believes, hey, look, this guy's going to figure out a way for us to get it done. And I use this analogy all the time with our players. You know, if, if they did a – if the NFL today did a skills – contest you know tom brady probably wouldn't fare particularly well you know i don't think he can throw the ball as far as some guys he's probably not as fast as some guys can't jump as high as other guys but what he does he makes everybody around him better and and everybody believes that hey look this guy can get it done and at the end of the day that's a quarterback's job you know sometimes they got to go win games for you and sometimes they just need to not lose games for you and you know somebody that can show up and do it every single day can uh, can really win the confidence of their teammates and, and be a fantastic leader and that's uh, that's what you're looking for at that position
1: I, I love that response so how much of that is just like innate and charisma and it and then how much of that is preparation
2: you know I think the, I think it's i think it all begins with preparation and and I think it ends up where a guy works so hard at it that he starts to have this confidence about himself that hey look I've invested more than anybody else I've worked harder I've strained harder and you know, when you do that, then then you have confidence, and it's no different in the business world. You know, the most prepared guys in the business world have that confidence that sets them apart from other people and makes people want to be around them and allows them to, to improve the room when they walk into the room, and that's that's what you're looking for. And so, you know, I think it all begins with a work ethic, and, and then I think it, it the confidence then comes, and then I think it becomes the two start to play off of each other.
1: Nothing is more true than preparation breeds confidence. I love that statement that you just made that when you walk in the room, there are certain people that improve the room. Let me finally ask you, Sonny, you and I have talked a lot over the years, but it seems to me you have a certain calm about you despite this opportunity, and it can be overwhelming. You and I have talked about your dad, the legendary Spike Dykes, in the past. As the son of a coach, you know the pressure that head coaches are under. More now than ever, I would argue, I know how hard you work to make sure that you're present for your family. Is there such a thing as a work balance or a life balance between work and family? And if so, what is it and how did you find it?
2: You know, I think you're, we're always striving for it. I mean, I think that's the thing that, that you have to do. And, and it goes back to something you said earlier. Look, when you're when you're with your family, you have to be present. You have to, you know, you have to focus on that time that you have with your wife and with your kids. You know, my, I have kids that are 11, 13, and 5. And so mm. I've got uh, two older daughters and a young son, and, and um, you know, when I'm with them, i got to really think hard about about trying to be the very best dad I can be and listen and just be present, make sure I don't have my phone, make sure my mind is not somewhere else. And, and same thing, when you come to work, you've got to do a great job of trying to do the same thing, of, of just focusing on the task at hand and making sure that you give that 100% of your attention. You know, I, I think one time uh, something that really moved the needle for me is I heard Bob Stoops interviewed uh, when I was a young coach and he had just gone to Oklahoma and he talked about how he drove his kids to school every day and he got to spend that time with them and how important that was to him. And, you know, we've tried to do a lot of the same things. I mean, I encourage my staff to whenever they have an opportunity to go be around their, their, their kids to go do it. If they, if one of them has a game or a, a play or a um, a concert, whatever it may be, you know, I want, I want the the coach to go to their kids concert the best that they can. And we all have a job we have to do and it's a high pressure job but the most important job we're ever going to have is being a great uh, parent or a great husband. And, and truly, that's the most important thing And at the end of the day. that's going to be the most fulfilling thing, certainly for us and and obviously for our
1: families. Hey, Sonny, one quick follow-up to that. Like, I think what you say is so true. Like, I have a 17, we have a 17-year-old son, and I've got a son who's a senior in college. And part of the thing is, I feel like the kids, they just want you to be present. And then part of the time, I think they want nothing to do with you. I think it's both those things. But your point about Bob Stoops saying back in the day, I took my kids to school every single morning. I had a ride with my 17-year-old. We had a baseball banquet. And the time it took from us to get from high school back home was maybe 10 minutes maybe and we had this super deep conversation because we were totally locked in and present i shared with my wife what my son said and she said he told you all of that he never says things like that to me i said not only did he tell me all these things and the depth of that he did it during a seven minute car ride so it's so (laughs) true right you don't need seven hours it can be seven minutes as long as you're fully locked in and present
2: yeah, know I couldn't agree more. Look, I have a 13-year-old daughter, so, you know, I better get all the time with her I can get because chances are she's not going to like me very much over the next couple of years. And and so, you know, it, it's true. I mean, I think that is something you, you never know when that, that magic moment is going to happen with your kids. And and you have to try to put yourself in as many positions as you can to allow that to happen. And, and so that, what I try to do when I'm around my kids is, look, everybody's putting their phones down, everybody's getting off their devices everybody's going to try to to make sure that we spend the most quality time together that we can because, you know, we just don't have that much. And so when we have a chance to do it, let's make sure it's quality time.
1: It's so great what you just said, that you never know when you're going to get that magic moment. So what you want to do is put yourself in that position as often as you can in the hopes of getting it. He is the head football coach at TCU. Entering his first season, TCU is going to open up against Colorado on September 2nd. Sonny, always look forward to it, and I always appreciate our conversation. Thanks so much for that. That was great once again.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. appreciate you guys. Always put me on. Thanks so much. Good night now!